0: We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged, but changed. Our desire here at Heartsease Family Life Church is to see people grow and develop in their walk with God, for all to enter into His best for their lives. For more information in regards to the church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We pray that you will be blessed.
1: Jesus, you are all I live for today. Honor each one of you today. But you know what, in honoring you, here's the other thought as we begin our message this morning. As we honour you, there's also a challenge that goes out to each one of you as fathers. And that is this. Be a true father God's way. Be a dad God's way. How does a father be a father God's way? According to God's word. It's amazing to me. And, you know, it, it seems like so many times I sound like a broken record when I go over this over and over again. But I just really believe it is this or just that important, that the principles that we find in God's Word, there's principles in God's Word that we discover that when applied to our lives will make us a better person. Do I hear an amen? Amen. There are principles in God's Word that makes us a better friend. It makes us a better parent. It makes us a better worker. It makes us a better steward. Are you ready for this one? makes us a better lover. Hmm. How is that? Can you turn me down? I'm really loud. And, and, it, and it's the principles that we learn and it's the principles that we discover in God's Word. But you've got to get it into you. Come on now. You've got to get the Word of God into you. You've got to read it. You've got to meditate on the Word of God. Now, for the past couple of weeks, as I've known Father's Day has been coming up, there's just been thoughts that have been going through my mind, and I've sat back and I've said, God, what do you want me to share with Dad on Father's Day? What is it that will make a difference in the hearts and lives of dads that we have, who God has blessed us with in HeartSeas Family Life Church? And as I sat down every time, just one word came to me. One word. Kept coming back over and over again. And that word was legacy. 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 And that's why this morning I want to talk about the Father's legacy. The Father's legacy. You know, guys, every one of us who are fathers today made a decision and a choice to be a father. We did. We made a decision and a choice to be a father. Now it's up to us to live up to that decision because lives are depending upon it. Listen to this little poem. I've read it before, but it's always blessed me. It's something I remember my dad had beside his bed as I was growing up. I always remember seeing this poem and it's called A Little Fellow Follows Me. A careful man I ought to be. A little fellow follows me. I dare not go astray for fear that he will go the self-same way. I cannot once escape his eyes. Whatever he sees me do, he tries. Like me, he says he's going to be this little chap who follows me. He thinks that I am good and fine. He believes in every word of mine. The base in me, he must not see that little fellow who follows me. I must remember as I go through summer's sun and winter's snow, I am building for the years to be in the little chap who follows me. I think those words are so powerful. I think that little poem... Those few words I speak speaks so greatly of legacy. What I do, what I say, who I am is being watched. It's being mimicked. It's being followed by our children that are all around us. I looked up in the dictionary the word legacy. And the word legacy or one of the meanings, it says this. It says something resulting from and left behind by an action, an event, or a person. Let me read that again. Something resulting from and left behind by an action, an event, or a person. In other words, legacy is that which we leave or that which we pass on to our children. And not only our children, but our children's children. It's inheritance left to the next generations. And as I began to think about that, an inheritance left, a legacy handed, passed on to the next generation. I began to think these thoughts. A legacy can either make them or a legacy can break them. A legacy can make them, but legacy, that which is handed on, that which is passed on, can also break them. That's why Dad's legacy, what we leave, the inheritance we pass on, that which we instill, the example that we live. That's why it's so important for those around, particularly our children today. Today, children are receiving too much legacy from outside of the home. Longing to be like or following the example of people such as singers, such as actors, such as sports stars, Various celebrities. It's amazing when you think of the word celebrities. There wasn't really the word celebrities almost 10, 15 years ago. People were called stars. Think about it. They were called stars. Why were they called a star? Because of an achievement. Because of a lifestyle. Because they did something that made a difference. People were able to look up to them and say, Wow, they are a star. They are good. They did something great. They made an impact with their life. They made a difference. But now it's not the case, is it? Someone can just write a song and they're a celebrity. Someone could just have nice hair and they're a celebrity. There's not that achievement. There's not that which people can look up to anymore. And in fact, most of the things that we see in celebrities today, there is very little to celebrate. There is very little to say, I want to be like that. But yet, our children today are longing to be like these people whose lives are wrecked. Who have no morals, who have no standards. Come on, dads. We need to once again be the stars in our home. Not a celebrity, not a has-been. Stars that our children will once again want to be like us. Dads. Fathers, we need you to be role models again. Come on, I said, we need you to be role models again. Being that legacy, leaving that legacy that will shape your children. I know as I preach this message today, unfortunately, many, perhaps even here, didn't have a great role model in a father. Perhaps you didn't even have a father figure in the home in order to model your life or to learn different different experiences and different things. Last night, as the parents beat the young people at softball, I had to throw that in there. We were joking around about the fact, you know, and Josh was laughing and we were joking about, you know, Josh was playing around saying, I didn't have a dad who took me fishing. I didn't have a dad who took me to play catch. And he said, one day, maybe my dad would teach me how to ride a bike. And we were laughing and playing about it. But you know what? There's some people that didn't have that. There's some people that didn't grow up with that. They didn't have that input. They didn't have that nurturing of a father figure in their home. And that's why I believe so strongly and so truly that fathers, dads, we need to break the cycle. Come on, we need to break the cycle. Just because perhaps you didn't have the greatest role model, perhaps you didn't even have the role model in the home, doesn't mean that you now cannot be a role model for your children. Pastor Dino said it so well, I believe, when he talked about the five life-shaping benefits that come about as being connected into the local church. One of the things he said that I think was so powerful, he said, the local church has taught me to be the man God wants me to be what does that mean to be the man that God wants me to be it means I'm going to be the parent the father I'm going to leave the legacies that God wants you and I to follow we can't change the past and I know we hear that so many times but you know what it's still true Sometimes I think when we hear things over and over again, they just lose the meaning. We kind of just roll them off and we don't really think about it. But think about it. We can't change the past. That's still true. But the past, not left in the past, will destroy any future. We've got to leave the past in the past. And we've got to start building a new future. Perhaps, as I said, you didn't have a great dad. What now? Be a great father. Be a great father. Be everything that God's Word says that you need to be. Break the cycle in your home. Well, I never had that. Well, make sure that your children have exactly that which you wished that you had. Don't be like so many people that look at their parents or look at other people around and say, man, I will never do that. I will never be like that. But how quickly, if we don't watch, do we find ourselves being exactly what we said we would never be? Doing exactly the things that we said that we would never do. That's why, guys, fathers, that's why we need to follow the role model of Christ. The principles of His Word. That we can break the cycle. That we can break that, that our children will not have to stand up and say, well, I never had a role model. That we won't put the burden on them that perhaps we carry today. But yet we will break that cycle, giving them the ability to live, giving them the ability to know what it is, to be the man and woman that God has created them to be. I believe ignorance doesn't cut it anymore. What do you mean, Pastor, ignorance doesn't cut it anymore? Why? Because in our hands we hold the greatest manual for living. It's called the Word of God. And we're in the greatest or we have the opportunity every week to be in the greatest classroom and that's the local church, the body of Christ. But one thing I've discovered is this. You've got to read the textbook and you've got to show up to class to pass the test. Come on now. You've got to read the textbook. You need to show up to class so you can pass the test. Say with me, legacy. Come on, say it like you mean it. Legacy. Legacy, the example, the life, the way that I live, that I want to be passed down to the next generation. Have you ever stood in a mirror and looked and said, Wow, I wish I could change this about myself? Come on, have you ever looked, you know, Pastor P, your ears are a little big. This could be a little bit more hair in the front, it would be really nice. We were out the other day and we found a hair in the food, and I looked and said, Kids, it's not mine. I've already talked to the Lord and we've got an agreement. No more hairs falling out of my head. But you know what, we can look at ourselves in the natural, can't we, and say, you know what, if only this would change. There's things that maybe disgust us of ourselves. But you know what, would you look into the mirror of your soul today? Would you look into the mirror of your life? Can you be honest today and say the example that I'm living, the legacy that I'm leaving, that's what we want to deal with today. As I was thinking about legacy, this strange thought came into my mind. And I'm going to throw it out there this morning. And that is this, I don't want anyone to lie at my funeral. Did you catch that? I don't want anyone to have to stand and lie at my funeral. God forbid that any of us will be buried. I pray that the rapture takes place and we all go together. But I don't want people to have to stand up and lie at my funeral saying he was a good father. He had integrity in his life. He had honesty and all this. Because I'm telling you what, there's a lot of lying that goes on at funerals. There's a lot of people that stands up and says a lot of things that are almost 100% not true. I don't want no one to lie at my funeral. And I've discovered this. If I don't want lying at my funeral, I've got to start living a lie. And I've got to start living the truth. I've got to start living the example that I know God wants me to be. Just as we were at the beach this last week, Luke had asked me and he said, Dad, will you bury me in the sand? I laid him down, dug a little trench and I began to bury him. And as I was preparing this message, I almost could literally see me throwing sand onto Luke on the beach, burying him to a place that he was pinned down and could not move. And once again, I began to think about that. We can be burying our children. We can be burying our children alive to the point that they can't move, they cannot focus, they cannot function as God intends them to do. Why? Because of the legacy, the example, the way that we live, live our lives. One of the greatest compliments that anyone could give me today is you're just like your father. You're just like your father. When I was younger, I didn't like that too much. People would say you look like your father or you act just like your father. You've got the mannerisms of your father. I used to reject that and say, you're crazy, come on. I'm a lot, you know, no, my dad's a great guy. But when I was younger, I used to look at that and think, "Ah, oh, that's not a compliment. Come on, give me more. I mean, come on, there's got to be more. But the older I get, the more I realize what a great compliment that is. Why? Because my dad is an incredible man of God. I thank God that I grew up in a, a home with an incredible role model. I had a great dad, an awesome dad. And the reason he was so awesome now as I look back is this. My entire life, and even still right now, my dad stood and still stands for such high morals and stands for the principles of God's Word. He wasn't in fatherhood for the popular vote, but my dad was fully committed to shaping my future and sometimes he had to use a hand to do that. But it was shaping our futures. It was nurturing us. It was my future, my sister's future. And not only through shaping our futures, he shaped other lives also. And I thank God for my dad. I want to look today, if I may, at five attributes of legacy that I would like to see every parent, every father, every person in this area live with, and pass down to the next generation, to their children, that they would be all that God has called them to be. What is it? Is it the army? Be all that you can be? Be all that you can be. That's principles that are taken from God's Word. Be all that you can be. I want to read this morning, if we could, and from Job chapter 1. And we're going to read some verses today, so if you've got your Bible with you, bring it out, follow along on the screen with us today. But Job chapter 1, verse 1 through 5 says this, There was a man in the land of Oz whose name was Job, and the man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys and a very large household so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the east. And his sons would go and feast in their houses each on his appointed day and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was that when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job says, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus, Job did regularly. Most of the time when we read the story of Job, we focus in on the fact that Satan was given the liberty to attack him. And the most of our conversation is the fact that Job suffered. The suffering Of Job. But in these first five verses of the first chapter of Job, we see a different side of Job and we see Job as the father, the father figure. So from Job's life, I want to take the first legacy, the first example, that which us as fathers, parents need to pass down to our children. That is this. Number one, we need to leave the legacy of the fear of God. The fear of God. The fear of God. The Bible says of Job, he was one who feared God and he shunned evil. I think a better translation of that verse would be as follows. He feared God and as a result shunned evil. Notice the difference. Because of the fear of God in his life, it caused him to live a different way. Because he feared God, he now stayed away from evil things. Why would that be? Why is the fear of God so important? And when we're talking about the fear of God, we're not talking about a terrified fear where the kids are absolutely shaken under fear. We're talking about fear in the sense of having such a respect, such a knowledge, such an understanding, such an awe of who God is, understanding the greatness of God. It's incredible if you read in the Old Testament. We haven't got time to go there, but you know what? They used to call God Yah. His whole name was Yahweh in Hebrew. But they called him Yah. Why did they call him Yah? Not because it was like a nickname. Yah, what up, Yah? It wasn't because of that. It was because they had such a respect and awe of God that they didn't even feel that they were worthy to call him by his full name. Think about that. There was so much power in God. They were almost. There was such an awe, such a respect they had for God that they didn't even feel that they were worthy to call Him by His full name. There's very little respect of God anymore. There's very little respect of the things of God, the ways of God. There's very little fear of God in the lives of people. How do you know that, Pastor, by the way people live? Because if there was a fear of God in the lives of... I remember growing up as a kid and and just there were so many things that we could have done, but I remember because of the fear of God that my parents had taught me, that the parents had put inside of me, I knew the consequences of doing those things. I had such a respect and such an awe for God. Maybe I did things wrong, but I went only to a certain degree because I knew if I stepped that boundary. You may say, well, you were already over the boundary. I sure was, but you know, there were still boundaries that I had even in my sin. You may say, that's crazy. But you know what? It was because my parents gave me a fear of God. As a result of fear, the Bible says, Job stayed away from evil. I want us to read some verses, if we could, for Psalms 111. Really, one verse here in Psalms 111 and verse 10. Psalms 111 and verse 10 says this words, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I want to pass wisdom on to my children, don't you? I want my kids to be wise. Come on. I want my kids to have understanding. I want my kids to have such wisdom in their lives. The Bible says the fear of God is what begins that wisdom, that godly understanding in their lives. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. But I want us to read on, if we could, to Psalms 112. Let's continue the thought on, if we could. Psalms 112, beginning in verse 1, says, Praise the Lord, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Now, now you may say, Pastor, why is fear so important? Why is it such an important legacy to pass on to my children? We're going to find out from God's Word. Let's read on. Because the whole premise of this chapter of Psalms, I believe, hangs on the thought of fearing God. Having a respect and an awe for God in our lives. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. Whose? Those who fear God. The generations of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house. Who? He who fears the Lord and his righteousness endures forever. Verse 4, unto the upright there arises light and darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid... Until he sees his desire upon his enemies. Verse 9. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. The wicked will see it and be grieved. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. Okay. Those who fear the Lord. There's something that happens as a result of fearing the Lord. Living a life of fear. An example To our children. Verse 2 says that we're going to have many descendants. or mighty descendants. Verse 3 tells us we're going to have wealth and riches. Verse 4, there's going to be compassion that's going to come out of us. Verse 5, God's going to give us direction. Verse 6, there's going to be stability. Verse 7, there's going to be trustworthiness upon us. Verse 8, we're going to be victorious over all of our enemies. And it goes on and it goes on. There's other scriptures. I haven't put them on the board, but Proverbs eight verse three says For the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Proverbs fifteen thirty three for the fear of the Lord is instruction. Proverbs twenty two verse four By the fear of the Lord comes great riches. The list continues as you look at fear or fear of the Lord in a concordance. There's Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. But one thing I see is those who fear the Lord, there are results that come, good results, as a result of having a fear for the Lord. It's teaching our children to have such a reverence and a respect for God because of His greatness. Not desiring to do anything that would bring God disgrace, sadness or disappointment to Him. And I believe that true fear of the Lord is manifested out in obedience to God's Word. Obedience to God's Word. The fear of God is telling our children, you can't live like hell and expect the rewards of heaven. That's teaching them the fear of God. Teaching them that there are results to consequences and, and things that they can't have. All the, you know, as I began to write like this, and I've got to be careful how I say this, because I know I can be taken wrong. I thank God today for grace. Man, if you haven't shouted amen, that would be a good time to shout amen. I thank God for grace. The grace of God. Another chance, unmerited favour, that which you and I don't deserve, the grace of God. I thank God for the grace of God. I truly thank God for the grace of God. But you know what? I wish there was more fear than grace. I wish there was more fear than grace. Why? Because we've got to a place right now where, oh, God's forgiven. Oh, we just do whatever we please. We have no fear, but yet all we have is grace. There's got to be a balance once again in our lives. Thank God for His grace. I said thank God for His grace. But you know what? I think we're guilty of riding out that grace to such a degree that we've lost all respect and all awe and all wonder and all the greatness of God in our lives. Oh yes, we have grace because of His greatness. We need to be reminded of that. The children of Israel saw the ground open up and swallow people who stood against God. Now, I don't know about you, but that would have placed me in a position where I would have really thought twice about doing wrong things. Come on now, I mean, the ground literally opened up, swallowed the tents and the people and everything, those people, and then closed back up. It wasn't just left cracked open. I mean, it was just like a mouth opened, swallowed, and they were gone. Some people stood against Moses, and all of a sudden, leprosy broke out all over their bodies. People rebelled against God and all of a sudden serpents came from everywhere. 22,000, I think, were killed just like that. I'm telling you what, there was a fear of God. But listen, that wasn't the fear that God wanted man to live by. It wasn't the sense that they were terrified in that regard. But God wanted to get across to them that He's a holy God. That He's a holy God. And if you choose to do the wrong things, there are consequences that come. But today we've lost the sight of the consequences of sin because all we see is the grace. We've got to teach our children the balance of the fact that God is a holy God. Maybe the ground is not going to open up and swallow us, but let me tell you something, eternity is a long time to be lost. We've got to teach our children the legacy. By example, the fear of God. We need the fear of God back in our homes. We need to realize this. If you take notes, write this down. We need to realize this. God doesn't work for us, we work for Him. That's the right perspective. Why? Because we've convinced ourselves that God is at our beck and call that we can manipulate God. Listen to me, you don't work for God, God doesn't work for you. you work for God. But those who work for God receive a wage. Come on, He's no man's debtor," the Bible says. He will repay. And give you the blessings when you realize that in your life and live by that fear. Remember that person when you were growing up that you were terrified of? Maybe as a principal, I remember our school, the very first day at school, the teacher grabbed me by the hair and pulled me up out of my seat. And my buddy who was beside me and cracked our heads together. Needless to say, I was terrified of him from that day on. Every time he came in the room, even if I wasn't doing something wrong, I repented. We joke about that, but we've all got those people in our lives that we know that when they came into our being, we straightened up, we sat up, we straightened our tie, we put our hands off the... Whatever it was that we were doing, we made sure that we were doing right. That's the same way we need to live with God. Not in dread, not in fear and in terror, but in such awe and such respect that God, would my life be pleasing to you? Father's passed down the fact of The fear of God to your children. Why? Because we read it in Psalms 112, the benefits that come. Teach them that fear that will keep them from evil. A fear that will make them love God, not hate Him. We can teach our children to love God, not hate Him. A lot of people have been taught fear the wrong way and we haven't got time to go into it, but as a result, they hate God. Come on, teach them through the example of your life. Seen through action, the fear of God. The second legacy that we can leave our children, I think is a great one, and it's the legacy of prayer. In Job chapter 1 verse 5, it says, Job would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings unto his children. He would pray for his children. I said Job prayed for his children, and the Bible says he prayed regularly. He didn't just do it off and on when he felt like it. He prayed regularly. Parents, dads, Do your children see you? Do your children hear you praying? We're here today because someone prayed for us. But do you realize that your prayers can keep your children here? Do you realize that your prayers can keep your families in church? It's not just enough to get them in church. Come on, we need to be praying that God will continue to keep them. We need to pray for our children. How many times do you hear of k- parents who used to go in and lay hands and kids talk about they would wake up in the middle of the night and their parents were praying and weeping and crying over their children? Parents, dads, we need you to stop praying. We need you to start praying over your children, praying for your children, believing for your children. I remember as a child praying with my dad and thinking he would never stop. God, is my dad ever going to stop praying? But today, I thank God He never has stopped. I said, I thank God today that He never did stop. Because every day, my dad, I talk to my mum and dad every day on the phone. And every day they tell me, Philip, we're praying for you. Kelly, your family, we're praying for your church. My parents pray for you. Every day. There's power in prayer. What a legacy we can pass on to our children. The power of prayer. Why is prayer so important? Well, obviously, it's conversation with God. sure is. But as again, as I went back and looked at the life of Job, it was prayer that sustained him. Through the trials and the adversities when he lost everything, it was his prayer life, it was his relationship with God, his communion with God that sustained him. But you know what? It didn't just sustain him. It was also his prayer that produced at the other end of the storm. It produced on the other side of his storm. Prayer brought about a blessing in his life. Teach your children that. What a legacy. Prayer is more than kids. It's time to eat. To most people, that's the only time they pray. And people may say, well, we're really holy. I pray seven times a day. For most people, it's just when we eat. Prayer is is more than just its time to eat. Prayer is a legacy we must pass on, an inheritance for our children. Unfortunately, today, prayer has almost become a forgotten weapon, a forgotten source of power in the believer's life. Dad, pass on the fear of God to your children. Pass on the power of prayer. But remember, we're not just teaching our children this through our mouths. We're teaching them by the act of the actions of our lives. Legacy number three, praise and worship. Praise and worship. First Samuel 16 verse 13 says these words, Provide now a man who can play well and bring him to me. I've got these words on the hallway outside there. It says, find one who plays well and bring him. The Bible says that Saul was attacked by a distressing spirit a spirit that would come upon him and distress him to the point that he almost could not function, he could not live. Saul recognized and realized and those around him realized there was only one thing that could break the power of a spirit like that. And it was one who knew how to worship. It was one who knew to praise. Come on, there was many skilled musicians of that day. There was many people who could play instruments. There was many people who could sing. But there was only one that could sing and play under the anointing and leading of God. There was one who truly knew what it was to praise and worship God. And he was the one that they found. David was a praiser. David was a worshipper. Can your kids say the same about you? Well, pastor, I can't sing well. Well, Pastor, I'm embarrassed to really enter into praise and worship. What if I look a fool? It's amazing that everywhere else we don't care. But only in church. Listen to what David says to his wife Michael in Second Samuel chapter 6 as she is ridiculing him for the way he acted before the Lord as they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. The Bible says that David was twirling and swirling. He was dancing. He was praising. He was giving everything he had to the Lord. And his wife looked and she said to him these words in 2 Samuel six twenty one and 22. David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me. She said, didn't you look a fool today you embarrassed yourself not only yourself you embarrassed the kingdom you're the king act like a king and david said to her it wasn't before anyone else it was before the lord why do we worship and praise it's not before other people it's before the lord it's before the lord who chose me why do i praise because god chose me He could have chosen anyone else, but he chose me. That's something to give praise for. Why? Because I wouldn't have chosen me. Would you have chosen you? He says, therefore, I will play music before the Lord. Verse 22, and I will be even more. I love this. I will even be more undignified. We need some undignified undignifying to happen in church. We've got so dignified. We've got so religious. We've got so staunch. And when it comes to praise and worship, we've got so dignified. Come on, we need some some undignified worshipers, those who are totally surrendered, given over to God. Not given over to sports. Not given over to movies and all these things. Given over to God. I'm telling you this much. This is what God has challenged me in my life. And you know it to be true. If I can shout louder at a football game, then a football game is more important to me than God. God challenged me with that. If I can cheer and make a fool of myself in a football game, a baseball game or wherever I'm at, then I should be able to go a little bit above and beyond that in the house of God. Come on now. God challenged me with that. I want to leave a legacy for my children that they know I'm a praiser and I'm a worshipper. I'm not embarrassed about that. Because I know praise and worship breaks bondages, breaks strongholds, brings people into victory in their lives. Come on, what are we teaching our children? We need to leave them the legacy that is important to praise and worship God. Praise and worship is not a time where dad sits down and he crosses his hands. Praise and worship is a time where I see my dad with tears rolling down his face, his hands in the air, not caring about what other people think. How sad that our children would sit. Why? Because our dad's sad. What legacy are we passing on? Incidentally, the 23rd verse of Second Samuel 6 says these words. That from that day forward, Michael was barren and she never had any children. I don't believe it's a coincidence that that verse was put there right after her ridiculing someone who worshipped and praised God when she had a reluctancy, when she had a resistance to worshipping and praising God. God said there was a barrenness that came upon her life. I'm telling you right now, we're digging a hole and burying our kids if we don't praise and worship. We're creating a barrenness, a barren spirit to be placed upon our children. And why do we praise? Why do we worship? I wish we had more time. We have a reason to listen to Exodus 13, verse 14. So it shall be, when your sons ask you in times to come, saying, what is this? This verse is actually used when it comes to offering up the first fruits or the firstborn child in the reference to tithing and giving unto God, that when your children ask, why do you do this? But the same can be said as praise and worship, because tithe is a form of giving just like praise and worship. So when your children look at you and say, God, Dad, why do you do this? Here's the answer that we need to give our children. This is what you shall say to them. Exodus 13, verse 14. By strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of this house of bondage. In other words, Dad... Why do you praise God? Because of what He's done for me. Let me tell you something. Your dad wasn't always saved. He didn't live the greatest life. But with a mighty outstretched hand, God lifted me up. He broke the curse of sin. He broke the stronghold. That's why I praise Him. That's why I give Him the glory. That's why I give Him the honor. I praise Him because I have reason to praise Him. Teach your children. Teach your children to praise. Legacy number four, discipline. Discipline your children. Proverbs thirteen twenty four. 24, He spares the rod. Hates his son. You want the definition of hate? It's the same one that you know. It's not like a, a hidden word that means something different. The Bible says if you don't discipline your children, you hate your children. Strong words. But he who loves him, disciplines him promptly. I'm not one of these kind of people, you know, and it's tough, I know, in some settings. But I hate this. Just wait till you get home. You go off the boil by the time you get home. You know what I'm talking about? And it's not good to lash out at your kids, but then the kids forget what they've been... I'm I'm just a firm believer that when you're somewhere... I heard someone in the hallway this morning. I said, Happy Father's Day to you. And while I was saying Happy Father's Day to you, they were saying, Son, let's go to the bathroom. I knew the bathroom trip wasn't for the bathroom. I knew it was for a little tap-tap. A little bit of direction. A little bit of warmth to the seat of your pants. But he who spares the rod, discipline your children. Can I say this, Dad? It's not the mother's role in the home to discipline the children. Come on, I've got to say that. It's not the mother's position. Yes, the mother should discipline, but the mother should back up the discipline of the father. You may say, well, that's not how it is in our house. Well, you better get your house according to God's house. Because the father, the husband, is the head of the home. He's the disciplinarian. He's the one that needs to inflict the pain. Discipline is the other side of teaching. When I read that this week, I thought that was so profound. Think about that. Discipline is the other side of teaching. Sometimes children learn according to teaching, and you don't have to discipline them. But there's another side, isn't there? Sometimes when they don't learn, we need to discipline them, which is direct them back into good learning. We need to train them. We need to nurture them. But However, there is a clear distinction between discipline and physical abuse. Discipline may be painful, but it's not injurious. We are never to inflict harm upon our children, but a time of pain may be part of effective correction. Don't be a fool and fail to discipline your children. You're right, I said don't be a fool, because you're a fool. The Bible says that too. You're a fool if you don't discipline your children. Be a man in the home. Discipline brings with it security. You've got to catch that. Discipline brings security. Children may not feel it today. In fact, they're mad at you but they're going to love you because there's a sense of security, a sense of belonging, a sense of caring that will eventually be felt through the realm of discipline. It may not always be seen, but it will be eventually. Remember this. You are first your children's parent. You are second their friend. Come on, you're not number one their friend. Come on, you're not winning any popularity votes as a parent. Come on, you're going to stand up and say, this is how it's going to be, whether you like me or not. That's not important. What's important is this, this is how it's going to be, like it or not. Come on, thank you, Miss D. She's agreeing. You're number two, their friend. Number one, because if you get it the other way around, that's why families today are out of whack, out of balance, and that's why kids are out of control. Well, they're just my best friends. God never called you to be a friend. He called you to be a parent. Be a parent. Be the best friend. Correct your child. What an awesome legacy to give them. Lay the boundaries. Let them know the consequences of crossing them. My dad said to me and still says this to me, Son, you're still not too old to receive a Haydn. That's what he used to call a Haydn. He says, I'll still put you over my knee. And he would. He would. And if he wouldn't, my mum certainly would. She was the wooden spoon queen. She would shake that drawer. When she shipped that drawer, I knew, watch out, we are in trouble. I had a friend at school, and I've shared this before. His name was John Harvey. His parents used to literally fight over disciplining him. His mother wanted to discipline him. The father would correct him. I've even seen the father, and I hate to say this, but I've even seen the father hit the mother in front of the child for disciplining him. I saw that boy look at his mother. I've seen that boy hit his mother. Let me tell you something. When the mother walked out of the room, we took it on, and I took him down. I said, you don't treat your mother like that. Because I knew for sure, if I even dared to lift a, even if I dared to back up like I was going to hit my mum, I'm telling you one thing, my mum would have knocked me off my feet and my dad would have sent me into next week. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Talk about a coma? We would have been there for about two months. And it would have been discipline, not bodily harm. But you know what that boy said to me once when we were 18 years of age? He looked at me and said, I wish my parents would have disciplined me knocked me back. I wish my parents would have disciplined me. Today, God forbid, and I pray for him and I pray that God would touch him. He's lost today. He's a 36-year-old guy who is just absolutely lost today. Train your child in the way they should go. What do you think training is? It's disciplining them. It's teaching them, instructing them. Last but not least, number five. Leave them the legacy of commitment, faithfulness and consistency. What do I mean by that? Leave them the example of your relationship with God. The greatest example of commitment, faithfulness and consistency can be seen in the father of the story of the prodigal son, which is God, the heavenly father. Think about this. Every day he probably received word about his son. Every day he probably heard that his son was doing this and doing that and he was spending this and he was having this party and this was going. Every day he was probably receiving news that wasn't good news. But the Bible tells us that every day he still went out. Every day he still looked and he still longed. He would not be denied. He held on. He remained constant every way. Every day he went out looking to pour out his love once again on that lost chart. I think commitment, faithfulness and consistency is a legacy that we must pass down to our children and pass down through the relationship that we have with Christ. What's that song we sing? I don't want to sing of a passion. I've never known. I don't want to live a life that I'm trying to instruct my children to live, but yet I've never experienced it myself. Come on, as Aaron comes, legacy is action, not words. It's words in the action of our lives. Come on, fear God. Teach our children how to pray. Pray for your children. Teach them how to praise and worship by the example of your life. Discipline them. Have relationship with God. These are lasting legacies and it's never too late to start. Would you stand with me?
0: We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp.hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.